0: Welcome to the Dare to Move podcast. I'm your host, Garrett Wood, and I'm not your life coach, just a girl who never gives up. Hey guys, happy Sunday. I am so excited for you guys to get to meet my dad today on the podcast. Just so you know, this is the third episode I ever did. I interviewed Jeff. I interviewed Jay Sieno in New York and then I uh, was actually getting ready to interview Brooks Yang when I was in Snowmass, Colorado and I was freaking out. I was nervous and I said, Dad, can you come do an interview with me? I need practice. I'm nervous. And also you're kind of my perfect avatar. So let's do this. And my dad doesn't like to talk about himself. So he was a little hesitant, but he begrudgingly did the interview and he did a great job. And I think it's really awesome. And I'm so thankful that he was able to come on here. And I just want to take a moment Just say thank you to all the listeners, my dad, my family, my friends, my mom, everyone who has supported me in this journey because, you know, when I did this podcast, as you're about to hear, I was not the best interviewer. It was my third one ever. I think I said the word interesting a million times. And at the point when this interview was recorded, I had no clue all the amazing things that would happen thanks to this podcast and all on this podcast. So thank you guys for listening, making this all happen. And I'm so excited for the future of it. I love today's episode because you get to see how random, but also not random my dad's background is and how many interests he has, his entrepreneurial spirit, how he found it later in life. And If you've always thought it's kind of hard to follow all the random things that I do, now you're going to understand maybe where I get it. Just so you know, you're about to hear the original interlude that I recorded for this episode back in February. The interview was done in December. And now we're doing a like in real time, two days before the episode drops interlude because I want to, number one, connect with you guys. But number two, just give a disclaimer that this is a very old recording, but I'm very thankful that I held on to it in order to honor my dad today on Father's Day. For those of you out there listening, give your dad a hug today. If you can't give your dad a hug, like hold some space for him and your family and the dads that you know in your life. you know we're so lucky for all the fathers out there and I just want to say a big thank you to all of the dads in this world so thank you happy father's day I hope you guys enjoy the episode stay tuned for Emily Belden this week and then we have an energy healer next Sunday and lots of good exciting things to come so thank you again to all the dads thank you guys to all the listeners and uh, without further ado we have my dad and my original interlude enjoy guys Hey guys. So I am sitting here in Snowmass, Colorado, and it dawned on me that my own dad is the absolute perfect person for me to interview. He is a entrepreneur. He is a CEO of a company. He has multiple businesses, multiple passions, and a lot of his life has been of his design. So you know, because we don't go into it in too much detail, my grandfather actually started a company in the 1950s and 60s that grew into a large automotive business and my father spent most of his life being a professional fighter pilot. He flew F-16s in the Air Force. He was active duty. And he's going to tell you a little bit more about that. And it wasn't until my grandfather was on his deathbed that he signed the papers over to my dad to become the next CEO. So you can imagine it wasn't quite of his design, but he has taken the position vigorously. He has created new businesses. He has grown the company. He has created a new leadership team. And the company truly is thriving thanks to his leadership and i will say he does not like talking about himself at all so this was very hard for him and i'm so proud of him for agreeing to share this with you guys so make sure to listen all the way through so that you can hear all that he is without further ado here is my dad Hello, everybody. We are here with a very important person today. His name is Jeff Wood, and I'm super pumped to be interviewing him in Snowmass, Colorado. Hello. Hello. How are you today?
1: I'm great, thank you.
0: What'd you do today?
1: I laid around and watched my two-year-old.
0: Interesting. All right. So I always jump in with a quote, and the, the one today is, whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And it's a quote by Henry Ford, which is, Very analogous to your life based on what we're going to talk about today. So what is your knee-jerk reaction to that quote?
1: I love the quote. It just talks about believing in what you can do, believe in yourself. And uh, if you uh, don't think you can do something, you're probably not going to accomplish it.
0: Very straightforward. I like that. So the other thing I always start with is you're sitting on a plane and you have to tell somebody what you do for work very simply. And most of the people I interview do multiple things like yourself. So what would you say to them to give them the full picture in a few words?
1: I usually just keep it simple and say, I'm a car dealer.
0: Ah, interesting. Then what do they say back?
1: Oh, what kind?
0: (laughs) Well, so you guys know, I know that I went in a little bit on the interlude, but he is a former F-16 pilot, a current, I guess, private pilot. and CEO of Tom Wood Automotive, and a passionate botanist, avid snowboarder, and father of four kids. And today we're going to talk about what it's like to be a steward of a brand. And not just one brand, but many brands. So before we jump into that, tell everybody where you got your start as a professional.
1: As a professional, I would probably say the military.
0: And what, how how did you go to like Air Force Academy or how did you get started in that?
1: I actually went through the Air National Guard, believe it or not. So I wanted to become a fighter pilot. So unfortunately, when that, during that time is about when Top Gun came out. So everybody and their brother wanted to be a fighter pilot. And it took me two years to get a, a pilot training slot through the Air National Guard. Wow. And eventually started flying for the military.
0: Okay. And I think I did my research and you did 20 years? 20 years. And you did active duty?
1: Active and guard. I started in the guard. I went active for a number of years and then I went back to the guard and then I retired.
0: And what did you like more or the most?
1: Uh, I liked it all.
0: So I know you personally. So I remember that you had to do no fly zone flying. Tell everyone kind of what that's like, what that means, and if it, in your opinion, now that you're in business, if it was higher pressure than business or if business stresses you out more?
1: it's a good question. I think uh, business might be more stressful. I don't know. In the, in the Air Force, you you train all the time. So, you train like you fight. And so, when you're out there doing your job, it's, it comes naturally. Interesting. So, and business is always different. So. Unpredictable. Yep.
0: But I mean, it's unpredictable that someone could shoot you down. That's true. Did you ever think that would happen?
1: Didn't think about it too much. I just knew there weren't many of my friends down there on the ground. So,
0: Do you feel like when you were in the military, you had a lot of responsibility, obviously. You did the Thunderbirds, which is a huge responsibility. But what do you still to this day take with you from all of the practice you had in the military?
1: I think it's, it's an amazing level of trust that you have with your co-workers is you know immense and you mean basically your hand your life is in their hands interesting so i guess the takeaway it's very hard to recreate the camaraderie the the structure the the level of people it's amazing you know you kind of get disappointed a little bit in the real world when you don't have uh, all these highly educated, motivated people.
0: Yeah, that have your back no matter what. Right. So do you feel like that's something as a leader in a business, as a CEO that you're actively mindful of as far as hiring goes?
1: Totally. Yeah, you just, uh, I think that's the key to success is surrounding yourself with good people, people that you can trust.
0: So to backtrack a little bit so people understand, obviously, you're now, uh, you're the CEO of uh, Tom Wood Automotive, which has how many brands? Uh,
1: I think it's, well, 17 franchises. 17
0: franchises, which we'll get into in a little bit. But that happened.
1: 13 brands, I think.
0: When you were how old?
1: When I was 47. 47. 48.
0: So you did 20 years in the Air Force, and then you had a little interim and do you think that? Oh, I guess just tell the story of kind of how you felt going into such a sea level role after being in the Air Force. That was, you know, not numbers driven and people focused. From a like, they weren't relying on you. You were a part of a team in the Air Force. Then you step into you step into a role where you're the
1: leader of a bunch of followers. It was a rough transition because my father, you know, I didn't know what his plans were for the business, and you know, I come to find out right before he passed away that I was going to run this thing. So it was a lot of it was big adjustment, and I didn't know who I could trust. That's uh, I had to build my own team, and yeah, there was a lot of resistance. Really, a lot of you know, we've always done it this way. That's what we do.
0: How did and- you overcome that?
1: I think it's just gradual, over time, persistence, and getting the right people in the right seats.
0: Interesting. And do you feel like you had to adjust your lifestyle when it came to being in the business world versus the Air Force? Or did the same regimen apply to business world?
1: Oh, I think I just had – it was like a fire hose. I had a lot of things to learn. Cars aren't necessarily my passion, but uh, I had to learn a lot about uh, the auto industry and dealerships, and oh, going to uh, different manufacturers' meetings and twenty group meetings—you know, sharing best practices with other dealers—it's just a lot to it. It's and you know, I'm still learning, and hopefully, always will be. But yeah, there's a lot to it. It's not a boring job. That's
0: good. So you at least found something, even though you're not passionate about cars, you found something that. Compelled you to find it interesting,
1: exactly, yeah, and there's great people in this industry, and you know I've branched out and done some other things on my own that uh you know I am a little more passionate about, so
0: well, that's actually one question I always ask people is at the current moment, like what makes you get out of bed in the morning? what are you excited to if you could wake up and only work on one thing, what would it be?
1: I don't know, I think i'm so I'm more of a multitasker, so I don't think that's I would want to do one thing. It's kind of like in the F-16 was a multi-role fighter. So we we did, you know, dogfighting and bombing and all kinds of different roles. So we call it the Burger King jet. Have it your way. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a little bit uh, not biased. used to it. doing one thing.
0: Okay. So that probably helps you.
1: I hope so. But a lot of people say, yeah, uh, do one thing, do one thing well.
0: Well, I actually had a quote on another podcast. I got opened with the quote that I actually hate. It said, Jack of all trades, master of none. And I hate that because I do a lot of things too. And I like to think, my friend said that it's better to be good at some, you know, you can be good at some. So in school, I studied business management and I studied franchising and distributorships. And the one thing that my professor kept saying was that in the car dealer, you know, dealership world, especially you become a steward of a brand. You're in charge of really owning that brand and doing it, you know, with the utmost respect to the creator and following the rules. So that being said, I guess maybe we'll use Lexus, for example. You have a Lexus dealership. You're a steward of the Lexus brand. And how is it that – because I'm not in the car dealership business. I'm not in your seat. How is it that you can follow their rules – but also be successful in your own right as a Tomwood Automotive dealer that makes you maybe stand out from other dealers, other Lexus dealerships. What ability of control do you hold on to? And what do you do to really respect the brand?
1: Well, uh, different manufacturers are, some are better than others at allowing dealers the freedom, the wiggle room to operate the way they want to. They're very particular about their corporate image, so we, we spent you know, millions of dollars upgrading all of our facilities to represent each of our brands as they would like us to, but it's a partnership. It's uh, you know, give and take with the manufacturer. And to be honest with you, the, the most important brand to me is the Tom Wood brand. And that, like that is why I think I was put here, to, to uphold that brand and hopefully pass it on to the next generation.
0: And what do you think that you guys do to maintain a sense of the brand of Tom Wood throughout the store? So for people in Boston listening, maybe they're familiar with Herb Chambers or maybe people are familiar with Keys Automotive or what's a Chicago dealer that's really famous? I'm trying to think of the name can't remember. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. But what do you do that makes Tom Wood stand out? That's something you're very mindful of, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis that you guys do to have a corporate culture, to have a brand image. Like what are those things that you're conscious of?
1: Just communication. We have uh, general manager meetings once a month. We have a corporate, we have a GM retreat where we actually go offsite and talk about you know, just best practices and, uh, you know, what, what's really important to us and the brand and who we are. So, yeah, I think it's it's all people. Uh, you asked how we represent the other brands, the the manufacturers' brands. And, you know, we pretty much have a champion at least in every store that keeps up on all of that. And again, it's it's all about people awesome. to, to set us, ourselves apart as the whatever, the premier Lexus dealer. But... My main concern is how we do business in an honest and uh, you know transparent way. So,
0: yeah, I like that. Cult-
1: culture trumps everything.
0: Culture trumps everything. That is going to be a quote of the episode. And what are you most proud of at your time as a CEO? Which again happened to you later in life. You know, there are people listening, people I've interviewed that have you know started their companies when they were 20 or aspired to be a CEO for 20 years. And this is something that kind of came out of nowhere, but has become a huge passion. So what is the thing that you're the most proud of at the moment?
1: Most proud of? I just think that we've been able to keep everything moving forward. We've grown the business. We have 1,200-ish employees and beautiful facilities. And we've got our own home office and... I'm just glad that uh, me and the team were able to keep things going. I I think my dad would be proud and we'll see where we go from here.
0: Hey guys, sorry to interrupt. If you didn't know, I am the CEO, founder, and head coach at Crossroads of Fitness. And our claim to fame is the Dare to Eat Fat Loss Program. I wanted to let you know that we are actively taking on new clients. I have two other lead coaches right now. And if you are interested in losing 6 to 12 pounds in 12 weeks, we want to work with you. We teach what is scientifically proven to be the sustainable rate of fat loss. And you can check out the links in the show notes that will take you to our program offerings on our website. You can always email me or DM me on Instagram. I am happy to enroll you as a new client. I would love to work with you. If you have any questions, let me know and dare to eat. I know everybody listening, when they see cars, they hear automotive, they want to know the future. What do you think is the future of the automotive space and or the car dealership world or the way people are buying cars? You know, what's your knee-jerk response to that?
1: Oh, I think things are changing so fast there already is uh, online car buying the disruptors out there are, are numerous and whether it's car sharing or just all these different ownership models it will be really in autonomous driving who knows you know how quickly these things will all come to fruition but uh, it'll be interesting
0: do you guys talk about that is that something you guys are talking about in you know at sea level people
1: Discussing? Oh yeah, we talk about it all the time, and it's who knows which yeah. way it's going to go with all the you know red tape, and it's kind of hard to turn a yeah. car loose without a driver. But it's happening in some places.
0: Yeah, it seems really interesting too. The polarization between cities and places like Indiana, where you have to drive because pretty much everyone in Boston is car sharing, using Uber, things like that. Where a lot of people in Indy do own their own cars. So, at least you have a a little bit of maybe time.
1: Time. (laughs) (laughs) Midwest.
0: Yeah. And when you think about energy, because that's a huge part of the car business, when you think about renewable energy, electric energy, I know you were really proactive and you can tell them the story about the electric charging stations in Indy. Like, talk about that for a minute.
1: Oh I'm a huge fan of electric vehicles and I rolled that out with our dealership so every one of our dealerships has you can charge your electric vehicle at but I think it's really fun to drive if you've driven an electric vehicle there's so you know instant torque and a lot of fun and you can just plug it I, I hate going to the gas station so Same. it's uh, it's nice not to have to but in the this day and age of cheap gasoline, People are going to buy huge SUVs.
0: Yeah. So mm.
1: we'll see what happens. But every manufacturer is coming out with plug-in really? uh, hybrids, and I think uh, Volvo, for example, won't have a pure uh, internal combustion engine in like two years. So wow, it'll be hybrid.
0: Do you guys change your marketing to gear towards that type of person, or
1: not necessarily? It's I, I, the adoption rate is so slow especially in the Midwest, I think, because the government force, you know, California, different states have uh, more incentives to buy electric.
0: Okay. What is the biggest lesson that you've taken to heart from one of the brands? So I've had the luck, thanks to you, to be able to listen to the president of Audi speak, president of Toyota speak. And, you know, usually they're charismatic leaders and these companies are clearly doing something right. But what is of, of any of the brands from Subaru, Ford, Jaguar, Lexus, are there are any leaders within those companies that have said something that's stuck with you? I remember Akito Toyota, or what's his name? Akio. Akio. He always said, sell like hell, which isn't his line, but it's like from like way back what they used to say, sell, sell, sell like hell.
1: Yeah, I always remember Akio. He's a passionate guy, and it's always a pleasure to listen to him. So uh, as far as any takeaways from, gosh, I don't know. I've heard some really fantastic speakers at different, especially Lexus, you know, the Lexus Covenant, it really, you know, treat it, treat a customer, as you would have guessed in your own home. Mm. So, those sort of things are, it gets everybody sort of, you know, marching in the right direction, treating people right. One of our latest initiatives is uh, we're a Lexus Plus dealer, which means,
0: oh, I didn't know that.
1: That we take the customer, uh, one person takes them through the whole car buying process. There's no negotiation. And I think people like it.
0: That's nice. And so, do they get a special deal with anything regarding service as a plus dealer, uh, plus customer or no?
1: It's just transparent and upfront pricing. Treat everybody the same.
0: And no other, no other dealerships or no other brands are doing that.
1: I think they're all looking at it, but nobody yet
0: has it. I always liked uh, Lexus. I think that they're. Some dealers are doing it, but
1: this is, you know, a manufacturer's initiative, so.
0: Interesting. So, you have, for the people who don't know about Tomwood Automotive, there's stores in Indianapolis, store in Lexington.
1: Lexington, Kentucky.
0: And in Minneapolis. Yes. And Fort Collins. And now, in New Zealand, what, and it's called?
1: Wanaka Power Sports.
0: Wanaka Power Sports, and it opened? In January. January. No, 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 sorry. Sorry. Uh, November. November, 2018. Yep. And the question I ask everybody that comes on here is about time management. And a lot of it has to do with having multiple projects that make different amounts of money. And that's more for the serial entrepreneur that's representing themselves and how they might spend their time based on what's going to make the money here, what's going to make money there, and what what the time commitment is. And for someone like you, you have to worry about what is making your payroll for all your employees and what's keeping all the brands and dealerships afloat. So how do you in your brain even start to think about time management, organization, things like that?
1: Well, I try to uh, read books about, uh, you know, managing your time and that sort of thing. But I guess I'm learning to focus on our primary, you know, the engine that drives all of this, which is the auto dealership. So the better I can make them, you know, that allows us to do, whether it's charitable work or, you know, branch out into other businesses, that's the engine that drives it. So that's where the focus needs to be.
0: So you kind of go with that. That's always going to be the priority if it has to do with those
1: things. Pretty much. Yeah. We have a a, a leasing company and finance company that are also very successful. So there's a lot of... uh, a lot of care and feeding to all of this uh, all these different businesses
0: awesome and i forgot to mention too you also have an aviation company
1: we do it's a uh, tomwood aviation it's a small fixed based fixed base operator operation at uh, an airport close to our home office so we we have a flight school we sell and service airplanes and fuel and parking and charter and all that kind of stuff. Do
0: you feel like that run in your brain, you run it similar to a dealership or is it a totally new business to you?
1: Well, I try to apply some of the same principles if they apply, but no, it's aviation is kind of a passion in this family. And so it grew out of that, but it's, you know, we can sell ourselves fuel and all that kind of th- stuff. So I think it makes sense.
0: How often are you still flying?
1: It depends, but I fly all the time when I'm in the country. And the country. And you
0: fly everything from a cub to
1: P51 or uh, I mostly fly business jets so Citation 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 Mustang, a Citation Sovereign.
0: That always plus. cracks me up because you get to take your uh, employees on on a flight and the CEO is the pilot.
1: Yeah, I tell <laughs> I tell them I'm the bus driver. <laughs>
0: It's a unique situation. And do you think that there was, I always ask this question, and sorry for the phone call sound in the background, but I always ask this question of people who, I don't know, have aspired to great for greatness in their life. And there's usually a pain point. There's usually something when they're, whether it's they didn't make the baseball team or they flunked out of college or they were broken up with or they lost a job that they thought was their job. Was there any or maybe it's more than one times in your life that were really transformative but at the time it felt like frustrating anything that drove you whether it was you know not many people become fighter pilots who join the thunderbirds and or run a multi franchise business so what is it that kind of and some people hold on to these feelings for Years, you know, they remember the time they didn't make cheerleading when they were 10 for when they're 50. But, you know, what is it if you have anything?
1: Oh, I, I fail all the time. But uh, I'm trying to think maybe when I didn't get selected for fighter weapons school, or I didn't get selected for the astronaut program. Oh, you know, things like that, that, uh, you know, you, you really aspire to and hey, they don't work out for a reason, I guess.
0: Yeah. So you just kind of think it was a good experience. Either way. Like, for instance, NASA. You, I remember you applied. Yeah. And what was the job?
1: To be an astronaut.
0: That's amazing. To fly the shuttle. <laughs> Question for the people who are now very curious. What does that type of job application entail?
1: It's a huge package. Um, of <laughs> I can imagine. A- Everything from medical records to, yeah, uh, all your flying records. And-
0: really? You have to have a pretty clean record, I imagine. I would imagine. (laughs) Do you have anybody in the industry that you look up to? Or just people in life? It could be an astronaut. It could be the CEO of Lexus. It could be anybody.
1: Nobody that comes to the top of my head, but there are a number of people that I admire, and they're just ordinary people that, uh, you know, aren't famous.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? What is uh, your biggest goal for 2019?
1: 2019, I think just to focus on our core business and to become more efficient. And I always, we talk about failing forward. I think, you know, with all the technology that's available to us, I think we just have to be early adopters and make some of these things work. But what are some of those things?
0: Like car sharing
1: or? Could be subscription service for cars, could be online car buying, lots of different uh, different things out there.
0: So what's interesting, guys, for those of you listening that are curious about where he's located, so the dealerships are in Indianapolis, but my dad, I'm now officially noting he is my dad, spends a lot of time in New Zealand. So what is it like to manage people, businesses, everything from afar?
1: It's aside from the time, uh, we have, you know, limited time overlap of, uh, you know, during the workday but technology is it's like you're right next door so i can call who i want to or email them and facetime and whatever
0: so if that's not a hurdle what would you say right now whether it's relating to people relating to technology relating to economics is your big biggest uh business hurdle
1: it's all about people so and it's been an ongoing challenge to to recruit, retain, uh, train, you know, the right people that are wired the right way that fit into our culture. So the key to that's our whole key to success is having the right people.
0: Awesome. And if you could, I don't know, snap your fingers and be 10 years ahead of right now, what would you be proud of to see Tom Wood Automotive doing and what would you desire it to expand, if at all? So, you know, cars, you have power sports, you have tractor equipment, you have rental, you have sixth rental, you have aviation, you have insurance, leasing. What is an area that, you know, pie in the sky wish you could go for? The sky's the limit.
1: Well, there's a lot of consolidation in, in this industry. So, you may grow a little bit. So, I think me personally, I just I'd be really proud to see it continue to the next generation. So, that would be exciting to me. And hopefully we can hold it all together and the economy stays good and yeah, we'll see what businesses we're in at that time.
0: Do you have any advice for people that are thinking about the, you know, or anticipating a pullback in the market? I know it's like I hear about it every other day. Well, it's going to happen, especially in the real estate industry. And that actually segues into another question, twofold question. One, what advice do you have for people anticipating the pullback? Business owners, so you're speaking to business owners who run a business. It doesn't matter what industry, just regarding the pullback. And then number two, we'll go into the importance of real estate and how that affects Tom Wood.
1: So as far as the pullback goes, I think we we just... When times are good, I think people tend to get lazy and we need to sharpen our focus on expenses and and being, being lean and efficient in our businesses to prepare for a pullback. Because right. we'll have to make some tough decisions if that happens. And so, what was the second question? So
0: the second question, I didn't really explain well, but what I thought was interesting that grandpa did was before he could purchase or get a brand dealership, he would buy the real estate. And he would own the land. And as someone who is passionate about real estate, I understand the value of of that because let's say that, uh, what's a dealership, what's a brand that's gone out? Like Kia is still around, but let's say you have a car brand that fails. Well, you still own the land. And in theory, you could lease it to Chipotle. I don't know, something, Mm -hmm. right? So, how do you think that owning real estate? positively and or negatively affects the car business? And would you see yourself really leveraging that asset in a pullback?
1: Well, we're fortunate to own most of our real estate. So we, you know, self-rent. It's all about location as far as, you know, where manufacturers want to be. They want to be visible. Uh, They want to be on a highly trafficked street, probably by other car dealers. So yeah, we're fortunate that we own a lot of our own property. But a lot of these Dealerships are single-use buildings, yeah. So if you know Pontiac or Saturn or whoever pulls out of the market, it can be a problem. So you'll see a lot of empty, empty dealerships, uh, yeah, when that sort of thing happens.
0: So either you, as the landlord or owner, has to pay to demolish it,
1: or try to find some, or other try use. to pay
0: some, find someone who will demolish it. Demo can be expensive, but, and then also who wants to be in between two dealerships, right. you know, if it's, if it's a hole between,
1: yeah, so I guess that would be a used thing. car lot or something like that.
0: Yeah. And then I guess my final question would be to talk about what makes you happy because, or if you have any weird quirks that you think help you keep an edge as a leader, because I find in podcasts I listen to and people I interview that they typically have something about them that's just kind of weird. And it's either it's they get up in the morning and they jump in a cold pool of water or they never wear socks or they don't check their email till noon. Like, is there anything about you that number one keeps you happy, but number two also works as, you know, your ability to thrive?
1: Well, my family makes me happy in many ways. But I think for me, I think just being humble and knowing that you don't know everything and you can't, you need to reach out to other people to learn from and uh, just know that you don't know all the answers.
0: I like that a lot. And thank you so much for doing this interview. And I will put links to... Talmud Automotive, if people are curious, and they can find you on Instagram at WoodmanF16. And yeah, you guys will be able to find anything that you want on that. And thank you so much for coming on and thank answering you, great questions about, I think the people part and the culture is really, really awesome. So thanks for sharing. Thanks. If you guys are putting up your preach hands and nodding your head yes to things that are said either out of my mouth or out of my interviewee's mouths, and you so, so, so relate, we would absolutely love to see you post about our podcast in your Instagram stories. Please also comment on our Instagram dare to move podcast posts. If you do a post in your stories three times and you comment on one of our podcast posts and you give us a review on iTunes or whatever platform you are using, we will be rewarding one lucky person every month with a $100 gift card to Amazon. Your comments, your feedback, your critiques, and your reviews are so helpful to us. So, thank you for those of you who have done them. And please, please, please help us out if you are enjoying our content. It helps us out when you share it with your community and when you tell iTunes that we're doing a great job. So please comment, please share on Instagram in your stories, please comment on our Dare to Move podcast post and we will enter your name into a drawing for a hundred bucks. Easy money, guys. Thanks again. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you wanna connect, you can reach me, at Garrett N. Wood on Instagram or the podcast Instagram at Dare to Move Podcast. Imagine that. I hope you have an amazing day. And just so you know, our podcast is where we explore all the productivity hacks business scaling tools, and unique characteristics and personality traits of entrepreneurs leading the way in the portfolio lifestyle. Get inspired, gain actionable steps, and feel like you're connecting with genuine people who are making an impact all by way of careers which they designed. And that being said, if you are someone doing any of the aforementioned, I would love to have you on the show. I obviously explore my network and reach out to the people I know, but I want everyone to have an opportunity. So, do not hesitate to reach out and request an interview and let me know if you know somebody who you think would be really exciting for the Dare to Move podcast to interview. I hope you have an awesome day and as always, dare to move.